We are The Table, and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time, and we want to give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope that this message moves you forward. Well, it's good to be with you all. Uh... It's been a while since I've been here. My name is Casey Tigert. I'm a local pastor. I'm one of the pastors at Parkview Christian Church. Some of you I know. Some of you look familiar. Some of you don't, which is fine. Um, and you're probably wondering, why are you here? Um, well, I got a phone call from uh, your lovely senior pastor and my dear friend Brad Thompson on Friday. And he said, hey, I have COVID. And I said, oh, well, then you're not preaching this weekend. He's like, no, I would hope, I was hoping you would. And I said, wow, COVID and your Buckeyes got trampled. Oh, this has been a bad week. Of course, of course, in that situation, I'll step in. So I'll be with you uh, this week as Brad recovers. Also, you may notice some of our pastoral staff are not here. Uh, They are in quarantine because the only people he saw after he got sick were uh, two or three people on staff. And so they are are staying home, staying away, staying safe, which is a good thing. Uh, Which, all of this just highlights the fact that the last, like, 12 months-ish, almost, just feels like a trial, doesn't it? I don't know if it does for you. It just feels like a challenge one day after the next. It feels feels so heavy sometimes. And we don't like trials, but what I want to talk to you about today is the fact that uh, trials actually take us places. Trials actually take us places. In order to talk about that, I want to talk to you about, introduce you to a person. Her name is Tootsie Tominets. If you ever find yourself in Lexington, Texas, I don't know why you would, but let's say that you did. If you ever found yourself in Lexington, Texas, and you made your way to a place called Snow's Barbecue, you would find Tootsie in the pits, keeping the fires going. She is 84 years old, and she is one of the oldest pit masters in the U.S., And what you would see if you went back into the back is you would watch her with this giant shovel walking around, scooping huge shovelfuls of coals, laying them in the pit, closing the door. And then she walks one to another to another and takes her gnarled hands from years of shoveling hot coals and lays them on top of each of the pits. She doesn't use a thermometer to see when the temperature's right. She can feel it. Now, for a woman her age to stand in that kind of heat, we're talking about serious barbecue heat, for her to stand in the midst of that is a trial. Yeah, got it. It's a trial. But that trial is producing something wonderful, isn't it? I mean, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, you don't think that, but we know that the heat is producing ribs and brisket and chicken hungry already. So maybe, maybe the heat, maybe the trial is worth it. Maybe it's true that these trials actually take us places. There's a man in the Bible, his name is James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. And James's story is really interesting because growing up with Jesus as your half-brother, as you can imagine, is hard uh, because your mom's always like, why can't you be like your brother? And like, 
And he didn't always believe that Jesus was who he said he was, but by the end of his life, he did. And so he writes this letter to a group of people who are followers of Jesus, and this is what he says. He says, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. There's a long history behind this. But that word scattered is all about God's kids spread into dark places. Scattered is what it looks like when we are in the midst of trial. For James, scattered is when your beautiful and kind and compassionate half-brother is tried for crimes he didn't commit in a rigged trial and then executed in front of everybody. Scattered is how you feel when your loved one's mental health challenge takes a big step backward when it had been taking so many steps forward. Scattered is when you didn't get the job or the job you had goes away. Scattered is when those you love vote one way and you vote the other. And now that's creating a rift in your family. Scattered is when you didn't drink yesterday, but today, today's a different story. Scattered is when you wake up late in the dark and you can't sleep and so you shuffle down to the kitchen and your one question is, how do I make another day work? That's what James is talking about. And he's going to say a lot of practical things in this letter. If you read the book of James, there's a lot of practical stuff in there. But he always sets it up with one key word, one key phrase. And this is what it is. And this is one place where he mentions it. He says, know this, my beloved brothers. My beloved brothers. He knows the people he's talking to are going through significant trials, just like I know most of you are going through some kind of trial, some kind of heat right now. And the thing he wants to remind them of, he says, know this, beloved brothers. Now, you may not, like the, the word beloved, like you haven't used that word this week. Like, I don't know what that word means. What does it really mean? Here's what beloved means. Beloved means deeply loved by God no matter what. So when James talks to people who's going through significant trial, the first thing he says to them is, you are God's beloved. You are deeply loved by God no matter what. Before you did a thing or said a thing or were a thing, God loved you from the beginning. And that's the kind of thing that can anchor us down and give us something to stand on in the midst of the heat of trial. My daughter, when she was in junior high, was in choir, choir concerts, man, you guys done choir concerts before? You're still here to tell about it. I used to love to watch them all filter in, and my daughter was always in the back, so she was one of the first, because she's a little taller than everybody else, and so she would filter into the back, and the whole room would be dark, kind of like this. And so they would get up there, and my wife and I would be sitting there, and we'd watch her, and she'd do this. And you could see her just sort of peeking. She didn't want to be there. Being in front of people is not her thing. She wasn't like the kid that's on the front row of every choir concert who's like auditioning for a viral video. Do you know what I'm talking about? The kid who's breakdancing the entire time and not even singing the song. That's not her. 
She didn't want to be there. It was a trial for her to sing. So she'd look and look. And then finally, she'd lock eyes with us. And when we just watch her body relax. You see, when you're going through a trial and you can lock eyes with someone who calls you beloved, who you know loves you no matter what, there's a lot of things we're capable of. And so seven times in the book of James, he uses this word, beloved, 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 if you're scattered, beloved, if you're tried, beloved, beloved, beloved. Almost as if he wanted to make sure that no one forgot. And he learned this from his half-brother Jesus. Jesus was constantly pulling back the curtain saying, look, if you don't feel like God cares about who you are, I have to tell you, you are his deeply loved kids. No matter what. No matter what. And it's really important to start here because what he's about to get into, what James is about to get into is really, really heavy. If you were to watch the documentary on the life of Tootsie Tominets, you would find out that she and her husband once owned their own barbecue place in Lexington, Texas. And it was their deep, deep passion. And in the documentary, she talks about meeting him, and she talks about the way she felt when she first saw him, and she looked into his eyes, and she said, well, that's a tall drink of water. You can get away with that in Texas. I don't know if we can say that here, but she said, that's a tall drink of water, and she talked about his love and his compassion and how much he meant to her, meant in the past tense, because in the 80s, he had a stroke, and he was unable to care for himself anymore. And so she had to leave this barbecue joint that she loved, this passion. They had to leave the life they had chosen behind and do something else. She had to become his full-time caregiver until finally he passed away. This was a trial for her. This was a challenge for her. But as we know and as we're starting to believe, trials actually take us places. And so as she was wondering what was going to happen next, after she had done everything for him for so long, she felt lost. What was she going to do now? What was going to anchor her down? And at that moment, another man in Lexington made a phone call and said, I'm about to open a brand new barbecue place, and I can't think of anybody I would rather have run my pits than you. And so she was invited to be the pit master at Snow's Barbecue. And it was an amazing moment. Not only did she go, but they also hired her son, Herschel. And she and Herschel had had a strained relationship for so many years, but when they got back together, they had one big, huge fight, and they began to make peace. And they lived at peace with each other, a mother and son, for the very first time. Until Herschel lost his own battle with cancer. And once again, Tootsie was left in the heat of the pits, in the heat of a trial, to try and figure out, what do I do now? But you know, trials, they take us places. They take us places. James talks to the scattered folks, and he says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. If you're in a trial season right now, if you're in a scattered season, if I'm in one, my, my guess is the first response I have towards it is not joy. I don't know many people who look at hard times and they're like, yes, awesome, 
If we could have more of that, that would be great. Could we put another pandemic on? Let's get two going at one time. This would be great. Nobody looks at trials that way. We're not built to do it. Our brains aren't wired to actually do that. And actually, the language James uses, if you translate it exactly from the old way, that the original language, it says this, consider it a delightful gift. Right. It's like, to me, it's like James is using this meme. I love this meme that they use, and this is one of my favorite ones ever, of this little dog. The whole room's on fire, and he's like, this is fine. It's all fine. I mean, is this what James is actually encouraging us to do? Like, no matter what's happening, just say, oh, it's fine. It's all fine. It's fine. It's not as bad as my neighbor down the road. Everything's fine. It's fine. That's not what he's saying. Because, see, joy is different. Happiness is the way we feel when things are good. Joy is something different. Joy is not an emotion. Joy is not something that just comes up. Joy is actually something that we choose. Joy is the choice to believe that we're God's beloved kids, even when we're scattered by trials. And i got to tell you, this is one of the hardest things for me. It's been one of the hardest things for me over the last year to wrap my hands around. This choice to believe, no matter what happens next, I am deeply loved by God. No matter what I've done or who I've been or how I've failed, I am deeply loved by God and nothing can change that. It's the choice to believe that that's actually legit. It's so hard for us to do that because there's a fine line between everything's fine and everything's on fire. The joy is to stand in the middle of that and go, no matter what, no matter what, scattered or not, I'm God's beloved. And this trial, this struggle, this suffering I'm going through is actually taking me somewhere. It's actually taking me somewhere. So how do we have joy in the midst of times when everything feels like it's on fire? How do we have joy when we're suffering? How do we have joy when we're scattered? How do we remember we're the beloved when everything seems to be going wrong? I think there's a few ways we do that. The very first thing we need to do in the middle of a trial is just to call it what it is. Just call it what it is. There is nothing holy about lying to ourselves. There's nothing holy about saying, well, I'm not, it's not as bad as that other person down the road. That's just a way of us avoiding it. Instead, what James says is he says, whenever you face trials, Whenever you face trials of any kind, and there are so many different kinds of trials that we face every single day, we just need to name it. We need to confess it. We just maybe need to even write it down. Like, this is what I'm going through. This is the legit. This is my struggle. This is my challenge. And the Bible has a lot. Now, listen, I, I don't know if you... Maybe you're here and you're not a person of faith and you don't know if this whole Jesus thing is actually real or whatever. I, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm, I want to just invite you to walk with us for a second here because the Bible has such great guides to people who are honest about the fact that things aren't always okay. It's not just a book of people who are all on the same page. There are so many times in the Bible it's like, I don't even know if God is real. There's this Psalm 22, it says this. This guy, David, who's writing this, is one of the most faithful people that we know in the Bible. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. This guy is an example of faith. Right. 
except it's true. Like when we're in the heat, when we're in the trial, when we're in the test, this is sometimes how we feel. God, I'm not okay with you. I'm not okay with what's going on in me. I'm not okay with my family. I'm not okay with this person that I work with. And in fact, if you saw fit to do it and you could just smite them, that would be fantastic. It does us no good to pretend that everything's fine. We just need to name our trials and call it what it is. I went through something about a year ago where I would leave the house and I would back up and I would close the garage door, you know, press the button, boop. It doesn't make that sound. I don't know why I made that sound, but you, you, get, the, you get the point. I would close the garage door and then I would start driving and then about halfway down our street, I would ask myself the question, did I, did I close the garage door? Like you do. Like, I know I'm not the only person. I see nodding, which is great because it makes me feel better. And I would drive around the block, come back around just to drive by the house to make sure the door's down. Which is fine, except for over time, I would drive around the block once, and then maybe twice. And then it got to the point where it was like six times. And I thought to myself, well, this isn't okay. I'm never going to get anything done. I'm just going to circle my neighborhood like a creepy person and people are going to call the police on me. And so I started talking with my counselor about it and what ended up coming out is that I had this really, really deep wound that said if I don't close that garage door, something terrible is going to happen in my family. I held myself responsible for that. And the reason why is because there was some sexual trauma from my childhood that I'd never really dealt with. And in fact, I had held myself responsible for it for years. And once we got to the heart of that, and once I could name that and say, that wasn't my fault, I began to have a little better sense of responsibility. And I started maybe only driving around the block once. It does us no good to not name our trials. We need to call it what it is and name them. Because these trials are always taking us places. Second thing we do is then we begin to look underneath the surface. We look under the surface. Every trial that we go through, something else is always happening. You and I are complex, evolving spiritual beings. Did you know that? And maybe you're like, I'm not a complex, evolving spiritual being. I just want to stay at home and watch TV and have no one bother me. Like, that's who I, that's what I want. Just saying that you're not complex and evolving doesn't mean that it's not true. When we go through things, there's always multiple things going on all at once. Your trial is never just about your trial. There is always underneath it something else going on, something else that's happening. James says this, he says, The testing of your faith, these trials, produce endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be complete and lacking in nothing. When we go through trials, we are being given the opportunity to develop endurance, to get stronger, to get harder, to deal with more. Endurance is not something they sell at Costco. Because if it was, I would buy me a whole pallet of it and keep it at home. Endurance is something we earn. And it's something that comes in believing that we're God's beloved no matter what as we go through the heat of whatever we're in the midst of. Endurance builds us up. It changes us. It transforms us. It makes us to be the people we were meant to be. 
And so just as David says, God, where are you? You've forsaken me. In the very next psalm, he says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Basically, he's saying, even though I go through the darkest valleys, through the heat of these trials, even though I go through these things that I don't know how to deal with, underneath the surface, I'm growing up. I'm getting stronger. You're making me stronger. And sometimes we don't know them when they come. And we don't know what's going on. This past Labor Day, we got a puppy which was a bad decision. Um, no, it was a good decision. I love the dog. Don't, don't get me wrong. But there was that first, if you've had puppies before, you know there's that first like few weeks where my wife and I were like, oh, right, this is what it's like to have a newborn. And we went to extreme lengths not to have any more newborns, and now we've got the dog. What were we thinking? And your whole life becomes consumed by the dog. So every 20 minutes, you're setting a timer on your phone to take the dog outside. The first week we had the dog, every night it rained from midnight to 4. So at 2.30 in the morning, I'm standing outside with my hood on in the pouring rain with this tiny little soaking wet mop dog going, would you please? I've never negotiated with someone to use the bathroom before in my entire life. And I'm like, could you just... I'd love to go back to bed. I'd love to actually continue to love you. So if you could just... But I had to remind myself, this isn't going to go on forever. At some point, he will be potty trained. At some point, even though I'm standing out there and going, yay, though I walk in the valley of rain and my dog not using the bathroom, you're with me. Something else is going on in the midst of that trial. And eventually... We'll come through it. And now, now I'm so glad. I just walk him out there. He does his thing. We walk back in. But I have a little bit more endurance than I did before. That the trials we face, the small ones and the big ones, are making us who God wants us to be. Last but not least, we embrace what's next. We embrace what comes next. We name our trial. We look under the surface. And then we embrace what comes next. During this whole last year, this season of COVID, I've been trying really hard to live by one of the teachings of Jesus that I feel like is one of the most difficult. And he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I get up in the morning and I make my oatmeal. I take the dog out. I try to stay present to my wife and my daughter I read social media and I watch the news. I try to limit that as much as I can. But the whole time I'm asking myself the question, in this day, in the midst of all my trials, in this day, in the midst of the heat of the challenges, in this day, where is the joy? Where is the blessing? Where is the thing that's happening that I might be missing? Because trials are going to come whether we want them to or not. Challenges are going to come whether we want them to or not. All we can do in the midst of that is respond and choose joy. Because what comes next? What comes next is us gripping our belovedness. Hanging on to this idea that we're God's beloved, deeply loved by God no matter what. Gripping on to that. 
as we find the blessing in the trials, as we find the joy in the trial. That's, that's what comes next. Because our trials are all taking us places. So, Tootsie and Snow's Barbecue become one of the most popular barbecue joints in the world. And Tootsie doesn't quite know what to do with that. She's still grieving and she's still suffering with the losses she's experienced in her life. But she doesn't want to be out front. She doesn't want people to know her as the face of the barbecue place. And then she realizes it's no good to resist this. I have something to offer people. And they offer a lot of people. If you go there on a Saturday, they're only open on the weekends. If you go there at 4 a.m. on a Saturday, you'll find two to 300 people lined up at the door of a shack waiting to get in. They are open until the food is gone. So they open at 8 and they usually close at 11. And people wait for hours and hours just to have a chance, just to have a shot. And for Tootsie, she said, I have this story. I have this trial that I've been through. And she started to open herself up to the people who came. And there are pictures, pictures, pictures of her connecting with guests, connecting with people. And you can see on her face, I hope, a look. And if we were to think about it, we could name that look. That look is joy. Not happiness, not ease. That's the look of a person who's lost a lot, but now realizes where the blessing is, even in the midst of all of that. And so for a brief moment for those people, at a ramshackle barbecue joint in the back of beyond Texas, she's able to give them just a moment of knowing that things can be okay, even when they're not okay. That because of faith, that because of trial, she has joy to offer them. And for me, this is where I begin to remember the story of Jesus. In Jesus' life, he was tested and tempted on seven very specific times. Three times he was drawn into the wilderness. We just talked about this last week. Drawn into the wilderness and tempted by Satan. Three times before, the night before he died, he prayed, God, if we can do this another way, if we can do this another way, let's do it another way. And then one time he was tested on the cross. Seven times Jesus was tested. Is it any wonder then that James seven times says, beloved, 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 that maybe in the midst of all that we've lost, in the midst of all that we're struggling through, in the midst of all that we're suffering, James says, beloved, as many times as Jesus was tested, just to remind us we're going somewhere. The trial that you and I face today is not the end. It's just not. Just like it wasn't the end for Jesus. Because for Jesus, all those trials led up to resurrection. And now there's this story in the world that dead stuff can come back to life. Whether it's the big death at the end of all of our lives or the little deaths that we experience every single day, resurrection says that's not the end of the story. Because Jesus faced his trials. And at the end, he kicked death in the teeth and he won. He won. The heat was not the end. The trial was not the end. There was something happening under the surface, and we all just missed it until one day resurrection came. And so when we celebrate communion together, that's what we celebrate. We celebrate the fact that these trials are not the end, that the heat we face is not going to win, but that we are God's beloved kids no matter what, and there is a path to life in front of us. 
So we're going to take communion here in just a moment. But as we take communion, I want you to think about the words that we hear in Hebrews. Because they click into what James is saying. And they're so encouraging to me when he says, Let us run with perseverance, with endurance, the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. And now may we, God's deeply loved kids, no matter what, may we feel our story of trials and scattered days become pure joy. May we endure. May we mature as we face the scattered times that are yet to come. May we name our trials. May we look beneath them. And may we embrace what God has in store for us that comes next. May we follow in the, in the name of Jesus, knowing that this is not the end, but there is life. There is life on the other side. That there is goodness that comes out of the heat of our trials. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If this message challenged you and moved you forward, personally or in faith, we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today. And if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at the table, head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information.